Mr. Big Stuff. Who do you think you are, Mr. Big Shot? You're never gonna get my love. Hello, hello, and welcome back. This is Laura Pareka, and you are listening to a podcast called Listen to Laura. Personal importance is the topic of today. Do you think you are hot stuff? And moreover, can you, will you, do you help others to feel more personal importance? Because that's where it's at, brother. You need to give it, not try to get it. Personal importance is not that important. (laughs) I tell my clients all the time, it's not about you. You got to get that through your head if you're going to have growth. And that's what it's all about, right? It's all about personal growth. Then we have professional growth and then we can live our best life now. So let's get down to it, shall we? She was a disgruntled woman in her mid-40s. She was a secretary, pretty close to quitting her job. She was not happy. And then in came the... Uh, massively mighty mentors and the mentors came up with an idea that we need to have a, a change around of titles to help people feel valued here at the company to help people feel important so instead of calling her the secretary she got a new title her title was the director of first impressions guess what Not only were we able to turn the whole company around, but in particular, this secretary turned around so much that she actually got, drum roll please, employee of the year. See, when it comes to personal importance, give it, don't try to get it. We wanna help other people feel important, particularly on the job, but also at home. Do you make your spouse feel important? Do you make your kids, how about your neighbors, people in the community? We want to give it, not get it, because personal importance ain't that great when it's us trying to be Mr. Big Shot. You know what I'm talking about. We all know that person who thinks that they are Mr. Big Shot, and it doesn't suit us. It doesn't work well. It works well when we're able to be more humble. So how can we do this? And moreover, how can we keep people on the job or in our families or in our community happy? How can we be that conduit to them feeling more important? You know, I often teach people that if you're trying to keep your team together and help your employees with, uh, help your company with employee retention, you got to give people respect. You have to make them feel like they're part of a team. Everybody, I've said this before, you probably have heard me, everybody wants to get on a train that's going somewhere. So we need to have vision, but we also need personal, uh, a feeling of personal importance in our people, the people that we are with. If your spouse does not feel very important to you, you will have trouble. My friend can tell you from experience. I've been on both sides of that. If you don't feel important, you're not likely to try as hard. This goes on the job. This goes without being said uh, at home and even in the community. So now I'm going to ask you a question. What would your life be like if you only worked on giving and not getting personal importance? You know what I mean. Helping other people feel important so that they can do their best job instead of trying to puff yourself up like a puffed up penguin and feel personally important to yourself. 
You see, we gotta have that feeling of supportiveness instead of competition. Competition can be good in some instances, but in many instances, it is not. It's actually counterproductive. Competition breeds uh, some discontent and disapproval and judgment, judging others, because we want to be better than them, right? What is personal importance anyway? When you feel like you are more important than someone else? I have to tell you about one of my mentees. He was a former race car driver, and he had picked up a job teaching fourth grade. And he taught his students that no one is better than you, and you are better than no one. And the way he did this was teaching them the name of the custodian and the women that worked in the lunchroom, and he had them address them by name, politely, so that they would always know that no matter what place or position in life someone holds, that you are not better than them and they are not better than you. We are all equally valuable. And that's hard to take because right now in this country and in other countries, uh, there's surely a pecking order where we say, oh my gosh, uh, respect and revere that person on the top, but the guy on the bottom down even answer him when he talks. And that, my friend, hurts you as well as the other person. So for that mentee that I had when I was mentoring uh, some classroom teachers years ago, uh, I want to say good job, touche. You have done it right, raising up your students to recognize respect for others that are in a position that may not be too valued by society. No one is better than you, but you are not better than anyone else. You see, it's all about ego. Uh, I've had, this is interesting, many times I have had to take a look at myself. I've had to look in the mirror. Remember that song? Um, I'm talking to the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. That was a Michael Jackson song. And how important that is. I've had to look in the mirror and say, okay, Laura, now you gotta change. You gotta grow and change. You can't have ego. I thought I didn't have an ego uh, a couple decades ago, uh, working in the public schools as a classroom teacher. Uh, It was all about service. Then I rose the ranks. I rose on up and up and up and up to the glass ceiling and then I got out in the corporate world and sometimes people would think I was kind of big stuff. But here's the truth, none of us are better than anyone else. So how do you not take stuff personally because the more fake importance you have, the more you think you deserve to be treated better than someone else, the more you're going to take stuff personally. Now there are some things you can do to not take things personally but it's going to take work because it's a habit. It's a habit to think, how could so-and-so do that to me? Can you believe the government, what they're doing? I cannot believe the prices these days. Oh my gosh, did you hear what the neighbor did? This is all habit. We're in the habit of finding fault in others and being offended, and it doesn't serve us. So the more you can get out of that habit, the better you'll feel. Another reason that we have trouble sometimes is because, actually, be honest, feelings of inferiority, feelings of feeling threatened. If you feel threatened on the job, you might then suddenly try to puff yourself up and act better than someone else. 
If you feel inferior, you very, very well might do something like that to a colleague or a coworker or even a spouse. When we feel threatened sometimes at home, we sometimes lash out on who? Mm-hmm, the person closest to us. Now here's some things you can do. You can start to create habits in your mind of new beliefs. Change what you believe and say to yourself, oh, I guess that person uh, must be having a bad day or that's just how he sees the world or interesting or hey, what you think of me is none of my business. Choose one of those or create your own, but have a little mantra you can say when you're tempted to let your ego get out of line, out of check, and have that self-importance where you think that someone has wronged you and how dare they, how dare they wrong me. You see, it's not what happens to you. Listen carefully. It's not what happens to you. It's what happens in you. When we feel like uh, we need to push to be more personally, uh, more, more important in front of others and, and that it comes from within. So we need to feel personally like we're so important. That can come with some bad side effects. And that is that people don't like you. They shy away from you and they tend to um, pretty much, much disengage when you want to engage with them. Besides, what are you telling yourself when you say that you're better than someone else? When you tell someone, I can't believe you offended me, you're really saying, I think I'm better than you. Let me say that again. When you feel offended, I can't believe so-and-so did such-and-such, you're actually dealing with a false belief that you are better than someone else and that they shouldn't do that to you. I remember a counselor putting his hands on my shoulders when I complained about an ex-husband doing something horrible. And he put his hands on my shoulders and he said, Laura... It's not about you. And I didn't get it at the time, but later I looked back on it and realized the problems that my ex-husband had were his. Indeed, they had nothing to do with me. But from whatever it was deep inside me that didn't feel that valuable, I must have felt a little threatened because when he said those bad things, I believed him. I took it to heart. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy. Sometimes someone will say something to you Imagine someone says, you're ugly, and deep inside you think you're ugly, and you repeat it to yourself 12 times that night and 50 times the next day. Who's a worse enemy of yours, that person who said it one time or you who repeated it to yourself 70 times? I was there, my friends, and I still fall into that pattern. Sometimes I have to shake myself out of it. But now that it's not a habit, it becomes easier and easier to not do that. It's not what happens to you, it's what happens in you. So, what you have to do is decide, ask yourself when these things happen, ask yourself, why does something offend me? Why am I getting all upset about that? Here's a personal example. I joined an association. The girls there thought that I was too beautiful and and too sexy and too um, bubbly. One of the gentlemen said, you're too happy. Too happy for this organization? Well, then I surely don't belong here. But instead of thinking that, I went and told all my friends, oh, what a victim I am. They don't like me. They put me down. They won't let me uh, contribute as much as I'm capable of. And guess what? It wasn't about me. I had that 
feeling of personal importance, like how could they do this to me? But it was fake importance because I really am important and I know on a deeper level my value, but for some reason mm, I had those uh, feelings of inferiority or I don't know what it was, but boy, I let that offend me. And that meant there was something going on inside of me that I needed to address. And you know what it was? False beliefs. See, we all have some false beliefs, but let me tell you some of mine. One of mine, when I left a high-paying job to start over in a new field, was that if I don't make a lot of money, I'm not that valuable. I need to make a lot of money to prove my worth. That is a false belief, but I fell into line with that for a short time in my life, and for those couple years, I was miserable. Why? because I didn't measure up to my own standards that were false. Society, culture will make you believe things that you wouldn't believe if you took the time to stop and think, hmm, should I believe that? Should I really believe that because I made a lot of money before I was valuable and now that I don't, I'm not that valuable? Hmm, I, you know, when you look at it, it's like, no, no, duh, like that's ridiculous. But at the time, because your emotions are controlling things. Sometimes we do that, we fall into bad patterns. Commercials, other people around us, when you're young, your parents and your teachers, they all pretty much program you. And as you get older, you have to decide, you know what, I don't buy that anymore, I don't believe it. So on that vein, let's talk a little about, about the different voices in your head. Because you could have your mom's voice in your head telling you right from wrong. And that could be a good thing, keep you out of trouble. You think, oh yeah, my mom is the angel on one shoulder. And then there's the devil on the other shoulder trying to talk me into doing something bad. One thing is that we need to recognize what's what. We need to recognize that we are telling ourselves things. You have a brain, but you are not your brain. Just like you have a body, but you're not your body. You have a hand, you don't say me. When you look at your hand, you say my hand, right? You have a body, you're not your body. That's what you use while you're here on this planet. And your mind too. If you were your mind, that would mean that when you got Alzheimer's, you suddenly weren't you anymore. Or dementia. And this isn't true. This is your mind not working as well as it used to. I remember once when I was younger hearing people say, well, if God is real, why would he let sickness and sorrow and illness occur on this planet? Why would he allow, allow a child to be born and have um, serious disabilities? And then the answer I heard astounded me and I kept it with me. The answer was, God's reply is, the child's spirit is whole. His body is temporary, but his spirit I made whole. And that, my friends, is something we must remember, that we have a mind. You know, you go to exercise, you help your body get better. Do you know what? You can work on your mind too. That's why we go to school, right? That's why we take classes and always improve in our learning because we recognize that we have to make our brain work for us as best as it can. And on that note, your brain can actually work against you. Imagine if you're young and you have people telling you you're no good, you're nothing but trouble, you're never gonna to amount to anything. Unless you combat that with a lot of positivity, you're gonna do things that sabotage your own well-being. And then you just can't understand why. Why, why, why can't I break out of this? I'm trying so hard, I'm working so hard. Even people who are overweight, they have to handle the emotional part 
or the part way back in their memory banks that is causing the problem in the first place, right? I have a dear friend who overate for years, finally worked on it, went and got bariatric surgery where she had her stomach stapled smaller, lost more weight than I am in my own body here. She lost a a hundred and, I don't know exactly, 150 pounds or something, 147 pounds. And then, sadly, over the period of about two or three years, maybe four, she gained it all back. She gained back all the weight because she worked on the stomach instead of working on the mind. She needed to work on why she is having those impulses to overeat and to eat the wrong things day after day, month after month, year after year. We have to work on our beliefs. We have to. You know, some people's flaws are visible. You know, if you overeat, it's visible. Other people have flaws that are hidden. You won't know unless you know them well what those flaws are. But none of us are scot-free on uh, having flaws or challenges. None of us. We all have some sort of challenges for us to overcome and to become better and to grow stronger. And so that's why we have them, I think. In my opinion, we need to have problems and challenges. Otherwise, we're going to get stagnant. We're not going to grow and keep improving. We're not going to keep our minds sharp and work on ourselves. So we have different voices in our head. Let's talk real quickly about three of them. The parent voice. This is when you have that voice in your head that says, oh, you better not do that. That would be the worst thing you could do. Have you ever heard yourself say that to yourself? (laughs) We have the adult voice that talks like an adult. And we have the child voice. Yes, as an adult, we do revert to the child voice sometimes. I do it in a positive way sometimes with my spouse. To be playful and cute, I will talk in the child voice and we both laugh about it. The adult voice can be good, but it can be bad too. It can kind of make you feel guilty, right? It could kind of make you feel like you must be this responsible citizen who never has fun. And of course, it depends on what kind of adults you heard while you were growing up and in your teenage years and in your early 20s. Also, that parent voice. If your parents were relaxed and easygoing, you'd have less of a, of a strong parent voice in there. If you had very strong, um, strict parents, you might have a real strong parent voice that you have to combat. But make no mistake, we need to identify, oh, that's the parent voice. Oh, that's the child voice. Oh, that is the adult voice. And when we recognize them, we're more able to change the way we talk to ourselves. Maybe later on we can talk more about how we can change the way we talk to others because I can guarantee if you are a boss and you talk to your employees with that uh, parent voice, you lost them. You have lost them. You are not their parent. Do not disrespect them by talking with that voice. We can get into that later. But right now, talking about how we talk to ourselves, let's get rid of those false beliefs. Let's recognize that, gosh darn it, there's nobody out there better than me, so I can feel personally important. But on the same token, I'm not better than anyone. I'm going to treat everyone with the same respect I'd like to get treated with. How do you make it heaven on earth? By deciding by deciding to. The first thing you do is make it a great day. Decide you're gonna get on out there and not just have a great day, but make it a great day. 
Your personal importance can go a long way if you decide to give it and not try to get it. Next time, we'll have part three of this amazing series of Heaven on Earth. But for today, take some time to go out there and crush your own ego and help other people feel important, but decide that you're not going to take anything personally. At least not today.